right, so this is the part where I'm going to be discussing the triangulation of stakes, characters, but I'm I'm calling this section the triangulation of stakes and characters and whatnot, but really it's just a way to demonstrate that if I'm positioning Link, Zelda, and Ganon, or the many different forms of uh, Ganon, if I am positioning the three of them as the center of triangulation as a broader tool utilized, uh, being utilized in this franchise, then of course, um, the way that triangulation will work in this section is it's kind of just implicit. It's happening in the background. I don't need to constantly explain how it's happening. I think you'll get a sense. So like, you'll get a sense of how things are being triangulated. Um, so I'm going to discuss, uh, first off, some commonalities between Skyward Sword, Ocarina of Time, and Breath of the Wild when it comes to this principal trio. So, um, and some of this might be stuff I have mentioned or have not mentioned, so whatever the case, it'll be uh, detailed further here. So starting off, um, each game begins with Link dreaming um, or not seeing what is really happening, hearing a voice of some kind and awakening by an external force. So in Skyward Sword, Link has a nightmare about the imprisoned taking over, uh, woken up by Zelda and her Loftwing. Um, so in this nightmare, he sees, uh, he doesn't see Demise, it's very important, he sees the imprisoned, and there's this kind of dark, uh, black mist that's like rising out of the ground and rising up with, uh, um, with the imprisoned. Uh, that's, that's what Link kind of first sees and then he wakes up. In Ocarina of Time, Link has a nightmare about Ganondorf chasing Zelda out of Hyrule Castle and then Ganondorf attacking him, and the clouds and the skies are kind of dark and gray. I should note that in Skyward Sword, it's actually quite similar. The world looks quite darkened with uh, the imprisoned rising out of the ground. Then in Breath of the Wild, he doesn't have a dream, but he hears a voice calling out to him. It's Zelda's voice, telling him to wake up. Um, and uh, all versions of Link having this nightmare or hearing something that isn't connected to reality per se, um, some something else is responsible for waking him up. Okay, so the thing is, is that about maybe also trying to explain further how Breath of the Wild Link still does possess similarities to Ocarina of Time Link and uh, Skyward Sword Link in the whole nightmare capacity is that, well, it's not so much a dream sequence, but when um, it is revealed that uh, like what Link's destiny is in Breath of the Wild, it, there's like a cutscene and it's showing imagery of Calamity Ganon taking over the castle. So when Link is kind of reminded of his destiny, you could make the argument that this is when he's actually waking up, if you will, because it's like when he first wakes up, he doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't really have any of that information available to him. But once it is, you could say that that's when he uh, wakes up. And even then there's still the absence of information, which is uh, which does still relate to the other Link night, like the other nightmares that the previous Links have, which is that, they like are seeing something that hasn't happened yet kind of thing. Although I guess in Breath of the Wild Link's case, he is kind of seeing, he, he is seeing a version of something that's already happened. But it's, it's interesting because I don't think I'll actually, I don't actually know if I explain this later or not. No, I think I do. But anyways, just one thing to note is that Link doesn't actually see Calamity Ganon take over the castle itself. You don't actually know how that looks in the game because Link, the character, is not actually near Hyrule Castle when that happens. So even in a way there, again, there is still this kind of absence of information where you could make the argument that Breath of the Wild Link still has that simil similar nightmare experience. So in Skyward Sword, it's Zelda and her Loftwing at Ocarina of Time. It's the fairy known as Navi who becomes Link's companion throughout his journey. And then in uh, Breath of the Wild, it's just hearing Zelda's voice. There's no one else but uh, that he sees or hears but hers. All right, so then the next point is that Link is forced into the role of the hero. I mentioned that language of being burdened, right? So I'd say this is the most prominent point of that. In Skyward Sword, Link is chosen by Fee as a child of destiny. The sword chose him to be the hero when he drew it out of the stone under the statue of Hylia um, in the temple area of uh, Skyloft. Um, that's, that's, uh, that's, 
That's Link's whole thing. He's the origin hero, so he he was he just had to do it. In Ocarina of Time, Link is chosen by the Master Sword as the hero of destiny, forced to grow up into this role. Because he he was already the chosen hero by the time he was 10 years old. The problem was, was that he wasn't old enough to fulfill that role. He needed to be an adult in order to properly wield the Master Sword. So he couldn't do anything for seven years. And in that time, Ganondorf took over. In Breath of the Wild, Link is chosen by the Master Sword and masters it quickly. That's his whole thing. Um, one could even theorize that Breath of the Wild's Link was probably around 10 years old or something when he mastered the use of the Master Sword. Um, but in any case, he is forced into the role of the hero because the sword chooses him. That is that is the recurring factor here and present in all three games. Then next we have Zelda is forced into the role of the mortal vessel of Hylia, or at the very least vested with divine power. She is forced into that position. So in Skyward Sword, obviously this is the beginning and Hylia needs to reincarnate into someone and it's gonna be Zelda. Um, just as a side note, Zelda does not begin as a princess in Skyward Sword. She is just Zelda. Um, but later the royal family that would have descended from Skyloftians and things like that over time, they, they would become the royal family and then Zelda would also become a part of that broader family. In Ocarina of Time, Zelda becomes the seventh sage and is responsible for leading the process of sealing Ganon away. The process of sealing Ganon away, or Ganondorf, whatever, is similar to what Skyward Sword Zelda has to do with Demise. And then finally, Breath of the Wild Zelda. She comes from a long lineage of uh, women who have reincarnated as Hylia, or at the very least have Hylia's powers. But she does not harness her own powers until the last minute. But she's forced into this position just like Link. This is a burden for both of them. Um, and Breath of the Wild is the most explicit when it comes to the fact that Zelda isn't prepared, and it's not her fault either. No one's there to guide her. No one's there to help her really figure it out. So the lack of kind of tangible guidance and the lack of uh, reassurance, she's not being uh, like reassured or like in any way, the goddess, the goddess is not confirming anything for her. So it's like, if she's not really having any proof for how hard she's working, then I'm like, I can't totally fault her for not, totally believing in uh, um, this power that's supposed to be vested within her, you know? Because with Ocarina of Time Zelda and Skyward Sword Zelda, like Skyward Sword Zelda would come to realize her destiny and was very quick to accept it, but also knew exactly what to do. And then, and she also wasn't alone, by the way, she had someone to help her out. And then in Ocarina of Time, it was a little bit similar. Zelda wasn't entirely alone in this process. And she, once she was in a position where she had to manage things on her own, she was capable enough to do it and could embrace her destiny. There weren't any hurdles for her. For Zelda, there were hurdles. She didn't have her mother to guide her through this journey. She only had what what was from the myth of 10,000 years ago and just had to kind of figure it out from there, go pray at the springs. I'm like, yeah, it's not a whole lot to go off of, right? Next up, we have the Triforce is utilized by all three characters, but not necessarily all at once. And how it is used varies greatly on the character and the iteration. So uh, this is quite an interesting point, actually, in terms of the, the fact that all three of these characters use the Triforce, but not at the same time. So in Skyward Sword, Link acquires all pieces of the Triforce and uses this uh, to be able to fight uh, against Demise because he is able to um, with, this is, this is, Zelda conducts this, by the way, I don't remember if I mentioned this before, but Zelda is actually responsible for conducting this, um, utilizing the power of the Triforce and embedding it within the Master Sword itself. Because, keep in mind, right, the Goddess Sword becomes the Master Sword, but the, God, the Goddess Sword had never known any other form until Link forged it in the Sacred Flames. So the thing is, is that the Master Sword is actually an entirely new weapon at this point in the timeline. It is new when it begins. The Master Sword was not some fabled sword that had existed in, you know, an age of old or something. Like it, it's been around since the time of the gods and the gods wielded it or something. It's actually an entirely new weapon. The Master Sword was not forged from nothing. Like the Goddess Sword was its starting point. It evolves into this powerful sword though, and that's because of Link. And embedding the Triforce's power within the sword would allow Link to fight on an even playing ground against Demise, who uses a similar sword that's vested with enough power like that as well. 
Then in Ocarina of Time, we have Link, Zelda, and Ganondorf. They each possess a triangle, as we know. There's a Triforce attributed to each of them, depending on their respective traits, right? The Triforce decided whose beholders were according to destiny. Link, you know, the chosen hero, Zelda is the seventh sage, and Ganondorf who took it by force. And then Ganondorf uses this to transform into Ganon. He, he, he's technically the only one of the three that actually uses the Triforce. And we actually see him use it. The thing is that we see it resonate for both Zelda and Link, but they technically don't use it the power of the Triforce. It just happens to be within them. So interestingly, in Ocarina of Time, even though they each possess one triangle, Ganondorf is the only one that actually uses it. So in Skyward Sword, Link is the only one to use the Triforce actively, because Zelda sort of uses it, but she's not actively using it to fight or, or do anything with it. That's Link's role. And then in Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf is the one who uses it. In Breath of the Wild, Zelda is the only one who uses the Triforce, using it to seal away Dark Beast Ganon. Um, it's not entirely clear, because I'm going to get into this later when we get into timeline stuff. If Calamity Ganon possesses, let's say, the Triforce of Power, there actually is a possibility for that. I'm more inclined to believe, in a lot of ways, though, that Breath of the Wild Zelda is the only one who's using the Triforce here. And this presents an interesting triangulation, right? This is one moment where I'm going to point out triangulation. You see that in these three games, Link uses the Triforce at one point, Ganon or Ganondorf uses the other Triforce at another point. Well, Link is using it as a whole Triforce. Ganondorf's only using a shard of it, and then Zelda's also using the whole Triforce. But all three characters experience it. That's a, that's a triangulation. That's the... That's the it, trios, triads, any word you can think of for thirds, it's it's happening, folks. Like, of course, this is this is I think more of a coincidence, really. I don't think this is necessarily like something they did by design, but I'm sure there are other instances. Um, I'm not discussing it here, obviously, but the Legend of Zelda as a franchise will definitely like definitely has other moments where we can see this kind of triangulation where things kind of come pardon my geometry analogies, things come full circle in a way where I, I like all three of them are meant to use the powers of the Triforce at some, uh, the Triforce at some point. That is also, I think, a part of destiny here as well. Um, so for as understated as the lore is in Breath of the Wild, the fact that Zelda is still actively wielding the power of the Triforce, I think that counts for something. The next big point I want to bring up here is memory circulates through each character individually and each having varying cyclicalities in their lives as the hero, the princess, and the villain, respectively. So I'm going to talk about a bit of just some elements of characters um, that contribute to this idea that, well, Link and Zelda are not necessarily the same throughout all of their iterations. Your Zeldas are different from one another and your Links are different than one another. This concept of memory though is going to be strongest in the character of Ganon. So I'll get into that afterwards. I'm gonna first talk about Link. So Link in Skyward Sword, uh, starting with his Skyward Sword iteration, it is highly possible that Link is actually prescient in some way that he can sense when danger is to hit the land or the concept that danger can affect the surface, which is a place he hasn't seen before. When he has that nightmare in the beginning of the game, Link is just like any other Skyloftian. Um, uh, um, they, they don't know what's below the cloud barrier. He has no way of knowing. Yes, you can read in books and stuff that kind of talk about the surface as though it's part of legend and doesn't actually exist. But before Zelda gets sucked into that vortex, Link would have no concept of um, something like a forest he actually would have no knowledge of that it's not possible so the fact that he has that nightmare for me could indicate that heroes also have a prescient trait to them they're actually able to sense things before they happen it kind of reminds me of a bird like if i like just think of a very simple bird like birds are able to sense danger before it actually hits that's why you will see flocks of birds fleeing from one direction if you know some kind of natural disaster is to hit an area like it's almost like that kind of relationship to nature. Um, and I think that's also like a funny analogy, even if we're alluding to Link being like a bird, because Skyloftians have strong relationships with the bird mounts they have known as loft wings. And just as a fun fact, the crest of the royal family would develop wings on it, which indicates the roots 
uh, of Skyloftians because they are people that live in the sky, birds, like it's just a funny coincidence. So I, I feel like there might be more to that than, than I'm suggesting here, but I feel like that might be a whole other rabbit hole that I don't have the time to talk about. Uh, I don't have to, the time to sift through right now. So Ocarina of Time, Link, he retains the soul of the original hero, so he is naturally courageous, but does not possess powers of prediction, I don't think. Um, he's not an oracle, to be clear, in Skyward Sword or Ocarina of Time. I'm purely theorizing based on the fact that they both have nightmares that indicate future events. Um, but they, But Link is someone that experiences visions, because the thing with Skyward Sword Link is that he's imagining something he would have no way of understanding. The thing is, is that it's actually, you know what, I actually kind of retract that statement a little bit because I think Ocarina of Time Link is actually very similar. He has a dream about a circumstance he wouldn't even know. He has never left the forest before. He's never left the, that's right, he's never left the forest before he's tasked by the Deku Tree to go and collect the other spiritual stones after receiving Pakuri's Emerald. Link would have no way of knowing what Hyrule Field is like. He's never been outside the forest. So the fact that he dreams about something and like something he would have no way of knowing uh, knowing about in his current time, like there, there must be some kind of prescient element to the hero. The hero might be able to see things that people can't whether or not those visions actually come true i think is entirely dependent on circumstance like the fact that ocarina of time link's dream does come true but skyward swords link like skyward sword link his nightmare is just a nightmare like it's not a vision that actually comes true i think link also like skyward sword link also has another dream where he imagines the imprisoned eating um uh zelda and that actually does act have other foreshadowing implications because um, Zelda does get her soul sucked out by demise gradually. Like, like the fate of the world it is, is it, things are in dire straits in the past. Like when you get to that point in the game, because Zelda's soul won't be absorbed by demise right away, but he's gradually draining her of her power as a mortal incarnate. Like the problem with having Hylia in a mortal body is that Hylia cannot fight demise like she did when she first sealed him away she's no longer in the form in her divine form she has to live through zelda so whatever happens to zelda hylia will inevitably fall prey to whatever demise does after that so the thing is that like if if uh, aside from like the game playing situation because you have time to do stuff in between the final standoff against girahim um, Demise will talk, will say a lot of dialogue towards Link, and then he will request that Link follow him to this uh, realm area to duke it out and fight. So Link doesn't have to fight Dem like Demise right away in the game, but technically time is of the essence. He needs to do it like now, because otherwise Zelda's soul will get absorbed by him. So actually the concept of the imprisoned, who is another form of Demise, the concept of the Im imprisoned eating uh um uh zelda that's interesting and also considering the fact that dark beast ganon in breath of the wild does technically quote unquote eat zelda because where is she when link is having the final battle against dark beast ganon she's within ganon's body there must be a prescient nature to the hero to a certain degree. He can't necessarily do anything about these visions and whether or not they come true, again, I think is dependent on the circumstances of the hero. But Link as the hero is able to see things that I think the other two can't necessarily see. Zelda is an individual who is very uh, cognizant of prophecy. Um, so she can foretell that things will go south kind of thing, but Link has explicit visions. He has nightmares of things. He has nightmares and visions of things he's never experienced before. So maybe he, he, there is an Oracle like function to the hero as well, um, which would have to have started with Skyward Sword Link, obviously. But anyways, I'm digressing. There, there's just a lot of implications to that. Right. And I am theorizing here. I'm not like retracting these points there, you know, Skyward Sword Link dreams of an image. I believe he does. He dreams of an image where Zelda is getting uh, eaten by the imprisoned. And then, you know, in many eras later, we see Zelda in Breath of the Wild within Dark Beast Ganon's body. So it's like, 
I don't know. Anyways, Breath of the Wild uh, Link has likely retained the will of all previous, not likely, that is a poor choice of words. Link has retained the will of all previous heroes before him, hardening his resolve, but making it difficult for him to emote due to the amount of responsibility of being the chosen hero. It's a lot of weight to put on a 17 year old's shoulder. Um, without his memories though, he's a lot more carefree, which is similar to the Link of Skyward Sword before the like, like you know, Skyward Sword Link is tasked to be the hero. There's actually a lot of character similarities, like uh, personality traits that are quite similar between these two Links. Um, and I find that quite interesting. Now, the point about Link having the difficulty of uh, Breath of the Wild Link not being able to emote properly, how do we know this? We know this because if you like try and survive <laughs> the ruins of Hyrule Castle and the many enemies that crowd the area, if you manage to find your way into Zelda's room, you'll see her diary where she details all her interactions with Link, or most of them really, She'll detail all the interactions she has with Link before she heads to the Spring of Wisdom, that final spring where she couldn't activate her powers and then after that Ganon attacks. Um, she will detail everything up until that point. And it's because of a heart-to-heart -heart conversation these two had about their being burdened by destiny. That is when uh, she, um, that is when she uh, uh, comes to realize that Link is actually quite a foodie. He, you know, he does have, he does, he is able to emote, but the thing is that he has a lot of difficulty doing it because he's so weighted down by his responsibilities. And this can be attributed to the fact that being the hero is not an easy task. Link always has to think about other people before he can think about himself. The thing is that I mentioned before that Link always saved Zelda without hesitating, right? And sure, you can position that as him being her appointed knight, but Link would never fight her about anything. He would do as he was told. It's because he has the interest of others in mind. That's what the purpose of the hero is. The hero has to think beyond themselves. Uh, when being the hero, you, it's like you have to consider the greater good over personal gains and emotions. So Breath of the Wild Link probably just resolved to uh, discard emotion, like to just he just chose not to emote because well what else are you going to do if you have the will of the hero inside of you you have to you have to desire the protection of others and the goodwill of the land you have to want that over what you want you know link could easily be a chef folks this guy really likes food in breath of the wild that could have been his thing he actually could have been a lot of things who knows um but that's not like he doesn't get to decide that there's a very important memory that actually details this, where Zelda, she's taking shade under a tree because it's like pouring rain, but you know, Link is just practicing his sword moves. And Zelda is like alluding to herself, but she's saying things through coded language where she's like, you know, what if like, and she's talking about Link instead of herself when she actually is referring to herself. She was like, what if you had the, the, the option of not, uh, being the chosen hero you know i know you were born into a soldier's family so this is probably in your blood but what if you had the option to be something something else wouldn't that be nice kind of thing because that's what she wants she doesn't want to be this princess of destiny she doesn't want to have the burden of the goddess's powers i think link actually probably understood her a lot in that moment i forget exactly when the diary entry of her realizing that link doesn't emote and he doesn't communicate well because he's just so weighted down by responsibility. I forget when that diary entry correlates to the timeline of the memories. It probably would have been after this interaction. Um, but anyways, yeah, so that's uh, the thing with Link and his relationship with memory is that it's not so much memory, but it's the will uh, that remains in memory. He's not going to remember what Skyward Sword Link did to seal away Demise, but he will remember that Skyward Sword Link had the drive to save everyone and put everyone else before himself. When he fought Demise in this final standoff and on, on his own, like there was no one to help Link, it's like Breath of the Wild Link would have understood that it's like, that's what he also needs to do. It's less so about a memory of an event and more so the memory of feeling. Um, so let's get into Zelda now. So Zelda in Skyward Sword being the mortal incarnation of Hylia, she actually kind of combines with Hylia in a way. Sometimes there's times where she's talking as Hylia. Um, it's not like she does like a full-on personality switch. It's more like she's a mouthpiece for Hylia um, and also goes on to possess uh, Hylia's memories because she is the mortal form of Hylia. So her and Hylia are actually kind of the same person. Hylia is using 
Zelda's body again as a vessel. So like Zelda is still very much her own person though. So the game does make it very clear that she definitely still has a sense of individuality and she is doing things um, to a certain extent um, on free will. But there's also things that she knows that are expected of her. And it's because of her being the mortal incarnation of Hylia that there are things that she has to do. Um, so like, yeah, so like I said, just to summarize, she is both Hylia and Zelda at once because they they share Zelda's body. Um, I think I've mentioned this before, she can't actively command the power she had as Hylia, but gains Hylia's wisdom and knowledge due to her being Hylia's mortal vessel. So Zelda knows exactly what Hylia went through when sealing away Demise. She knows exactly what Hylia was thinking. She knows what they need, what needs to be done. Um, she has all that information at her disposal because Hylia resides within her. So Ocarina of Time, Hylia is actually not referenced at all in this game, but Zelda has strong knowledge about the origins of the Triforce, its abilities, and what happens when contingencies occur. Uh, or maybe not even so much what happens when contingencies occur, but if contingencies occur, she's able to respond to that. Um, so, uh, and, and she also, you know, is aware that the Triforce is the symbol of the royal family. So there is actually a lot that Zelda, even as a child, was already very well-rounded about. So from a young age, she'd already displayed her capacity to uh, know things, to develop wisdom and things like that. Uh, so yeah, once again, Hylia isn't actually referenced at all in this game, but it's very clear that because the Triforce also has a relationship with the existence of Hylia and Zelda's knowledge about lore, there's still, there's still a connection to be had there. Then in Breath of the Wild, as we know by this point, unlike previous Zeldas before her, Zelda in Breath of the Wild is extremely unprepared to handle the role of the goddess reincarnate. And uh, she doesn't want to be, she doesn't want to be uh, that. She wants to be a, Sik a Sheikah researcher. She wants to investigate technology because she's a scientist. Um, so I mentioned, I think this before, but like, Unlike her mother and her grandmother before her, she cannot hear the voices from the spirit realm, which I think is meant to indicate that it's like Hylia is speaking to her. Um, and due to her not being able to harness her powers in any of the three springs, you know, Hyrule suffers for that. Um, but we know, you know, she succeeds in trapping Gan, putting him in stasis for a hundred years, allowing Hyrule to go on in what is like relative peace. Um, Breath of the Wild is defined as being like this like post uh this quiet post-apocalyptic game because you know the the world of Breath of the Wild has has sustained damage from this um it's not even a war you can't call it that it's like the like the utter decimation of uh the Hylian population and generally life in Hyrule was just reduced to almost nothing for a brief period in time because of Ganon's onslaught of attacks. Like no one had any way to fight Ganon, uh, Calamity Ganon as soon as he took over Hyrule, as soon as he destroyed, like he he, he de defeated the pilots of each divine beast. Like, like he just did everything right that no one had any way to stop him. Um, so then, and Zelda was the only one capable of doing that. So again, it's it's just important that she wasn't ready for him. If everyone else was ready, it technically didn't matter because if Zelda wasn't ready, then Ganon would uh, Ganon would still win, and that is what happened. So uh, relative peace in this case is, is just the fact that Zelda kind of saved everyone from things getting worse. Yes, she couldn't stop him at the crucial moment. But she was able to stop him eventually, and I can't fault her for that. Because man, the way the game frames Zelda's kind of position and stuff—you like, you can tell she just doesn't want to be in this position. She doesn't like it at all. She wishes her father would give her a bit more leeway, and because she is working hard, she is trying her best. And it, it, it didn't, and her not like her trying her best still resulted in a great loss of life. So it's like that's that's hard to live with. But anyways, the whole point of putting uh, Ganon in stasis for 100 years is because she actually can't seal him away just yet, like properly. And this is um, in an effort to buy time for Link. So for Link to wake up, to revive himself, and then come back to the castle and seal him away with uh, her help. Um, now, the thing is, in the true ending of Breath of the Wild, how does one achieve the true ending? Um, uh, well, you have to free all the divine beasts. 
But anyways, uh, you have to you have to free the divine beast from Ganon's control. Once Ganon is once Calamity Ganon is sealed away, Zelda says that she can no longer hear the voice in the sword, that same voice that called out to her the day that Link quote unquote died. But she comes to accept this. So her relationship with her powers and the way that all of this works is that she kind of just develops a level of comfort with it. So the role of memory here is, is that if it wasn't already clear, there's a lot of like oral history elements to the way that people conceive of knowledge in the in the various worlds of the Legend of Zelda franchise. Um, the maintenance of memory is important, but to what degree every factoid is maintained is I think very limited. And that's also a byproduct of having oral history being your main way of maintaining a history. Things are gonna, you're gonna lose some things in between. Um, the thing is that with Zelda's character and when it comes to her like the memory that's passed on is that Zelda knows on some level that she has to do something. Um, but Breath of the Wild is really the first time we've seen her struggle with that. The Zeldas before her would figure out a way to get it done. And yes, the plan would never be perfect. Like Zelda would get captured one way or another in the end, she'd be freed from it. But it's like the stakes, the stakes like dramatically increase when Zelda's captured because if you can't seal away demise or ganon that's a problem you can't like you you can't do anything without zelda she is very important for that that's why this is the legend of zelda folks but in breath of the wild they take this they they kind of spin this on its head if that like what if zelda couldn't do what the zeldas before her did so she knows like what uh her family lineage has been which is that like all you know previous iterations of zelda she has to do this thing but she can't so it's a bit similar to Link in the sense that she's not going to remember exactly what Skyward Sword Zelda went through in order to seal away Demise, but she has her own, like, she she knows what, like, needs to be done that's similar. It's like a parallel uh, experience, so that way she can harness her powers kind of thing. But yeah, I, th I think we know enough about Zelda at this point. Now, Demise, Demise is very interesting, and also... Uh, the succeeding forms of Ganon, Ganondorf, and Calamity Ganon. So, Demise being the original demon lord, his will to gain power and defeat the hero, it just, it remains in place. Uh, defeat the hero and the 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 person who would become the princess, because again, she was not, she did not start off as a princess. Um, so, Link is the progenitor hero. Zelda would become the princess, right? Um, but, you know, uh these roles for these two characters became like cemented over time like uh even the concept of link being a knight right or the fact that in most zelda iterations link commonly comes from a family of soldiers or people who are people who are capable of fighting he, he typically comes from uh, those kind of families not in all zelda games but most of them the thing with Demise, though, is that when he starts off, he really is just a demon lord who rose his army out of the fissures uh, within the earth. Like, he... There's no particular group associated with him. Now, I, you've, you've probably heard it in previous episodes. Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf, right? Like, in Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf is a Gerudo male. Gerudos uh, were once thieves who lived in the desert. Over time, the Gerudo would become more civil and begin to coexist with other cultural groups that would reside in varying iterations of Hyrule. But Ganondorf began as a Gerudo thief, or Gerudo king, I should say, even. The thing is, is that Demise does, is not attributed to any particular group. Like, there is still a case to be made that it's like, it just so happens that Ganondorf is the most reoccur like reoccurring villain that we have across the franchise who happens to be a Gerudo man. Because, because Demise would have been the original form of evil, and I think I'll get into this a little bit more later when I eventually conclude, but um, because Demise was not, is not really attributed to anyone or any one thing, I think it just so happens that you have a Gerudo man being the bad guy. It's less so about the Gerudo housing the you know, individual that would become the bad guy. It's more so that it just so it just it just works out this way. You know what I mean? Um, the thing with the uh, Ganondorf in Ocarina of Time to just talk about him a little bit more is that he's pretty calculating. 
like he seen he like he he knows what's kind of happening. He knows what he needed to acquire in order to open the door of time and access the master sword. The thing is, is that I don't know if I've made this clear enough. The only person who can wield the master sword is the one chosen by the master sword. Link is the only one who can wield the master sword. This means that like, Ganondorf can't enter the sacred realm without Link's help. So that's why he like just kind of stood back and uh, remained in the shadows as Link basically gave him a free pass into the sacred realm. Because Ganondorf himself would have no way of, even if even if Ganondorf had the Ocarina of Time in his possession and learned the Song of Time, and even if he acquired the three spiritual stones necessary for opening that uh, that room, uh, like that door into the chamber, it, it wouldn't matter because he can't wield the Master Sword. He cannot draw it out of the pedestal. Only Link can do that. So that also reflects how cunning he is and also how power like power hungry he is. That's how willing he is to to, to you know, accomplish his goal is that he he's it's 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 an opportunistic side of him he he waited for for link and zelda to kind of just do what they wanted to do and think they were doing the right thing but he he has some knowledge about how to he he knew that he couldn't draw the the master sword out of the pedestal so it's like well you gotta wait for someone to do it who can and of course that's when he will get a sense that link is the chosen hero what he does with that knowledge is up to him though so if ganon if, if ganondorf underestimates link that's his prerogative uh the game does reflect that in the dialogue as well that it's like yeah he just ganondorf just kind of does his own thing but doesn't feel very daunted by anything else like he doesn't really think anyone can actually stand up to him once he takes over okay um now with Breath of the Wild, right? This is the this is the iteration of the villain. Like Calamity Ganon is an iteration of a form of Ganon, a form of evil, where we're, it's unclear what exactly he knows. So as Calamity Ganon, he had been stopped some ten thousand years ago by the hero and princess of that era, and this would have probably still happened well after the events of Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time. Like I think Skyward Sword is meant to be ancient. Like I think that's the point of it. Um, uh, so Skyward Sword and Ocarina of Time, I think would still exist before the events of Calamity Ganon first appearing in Hyrule. I'm not, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but in any case, he had been sealed once before, but his return would obviously be prophesized because just like, um, uh, Hylia knew with her seal on Demise, he would find some way to come back. So she needed to find some other way to safeguard the seal and keep him sealed. Now, in the case of Breath of the Wild, right? So King Rome, when it was when he learned that this prophecy, you know, was detailing Calamity Ganon's return, he acted accordingly, having uh, excavating the Divine Beast, which had been buried over time, um, having Zelda choose the pilots for the Divine Beast, and then getting like recruiting Link and having him as the chosen hero after the sword picked him out. While everything was coming together, of course, as we know, Zelda had not harnessed her powers, and I. I've repeatedly said this, right? I'm pretty sure Calamity Ganon's taking advantage of this opportunity. I feel like he learned from his mistakes because 10,000 years ago, things appear very tidy and there's only one historical record that details what exactly happened. There's a lot of gaps in the narrative here because all everyone has to rely on really is a tapestry, really. Like it's not like they ha that's their only source, but I think that's their main source of knowledge, their main source of uh, formulating a plan against Calamity Ganon. But a tapestry doesn't account for contingencies, right? So Calamity Ganon attacking on Zelda's birthday, the only day she would have been able to pray at the final spring, and even after, like, it was a bit of a risk. Like, I feel like Calamity Ganon was taking a bit of a gamble there, because let's say Zelda did harness her powers after visiting the spring of wisdom then she would have been ready and then everyone would have been en route back to their divine beast and she would have gone back to the castle in preparation for uh fighting him the thing is is that even if that happened i think if ganon had come early though which he did because she was she had still just left the spring and they can't fast travel by the way they have to manually go from each location to location hyrule castle is not anywhere close to where Zelda is like where the Spring of Wisdom is at. It's nowhere close. It's a it's a it's a good journey. Like it will take some time for her to get back. So even if 
she harnessed her powers. What I'm arguing here is that Calamity Ganon's timing was still perfect because he attacked Hyrule Castle when no one was where they were meant to be because all four champions, Link and Zelda, are not anywhere near, like, well, the pilots are not anywhere near their Divine Beasts and Link and Zelda are away from Hyrule Castle. So they're away from the main site where Calamity Ganon's gonna attack. So they would still have to scurry on back. There's still a high likelihood that there'd be heavy casualties he'd still be able to turn the guardians against everyone. Like, I, I still think certain things would have fallen into place and maybe the sealing process would have been a lot messier because um, it depends on the speed at which things happen. Like, would, you know, would Zelda be able to save the pilots from losing to the Blights? It's hard to say though, because then you'd have to do that simultaneously at once, but you can't be in four places at once to save all four champions. It's like, it's the kind of situation where you'd only be able to save one, I'm saying champion, by the way. Champion and pilots are synonymous with uh, one each, uh, with with each other in this situation. Link's technically a champion too, but if, we're just going to call him the hero. It's just easier for the sake of terminology. The pilots. The thing is, is that only there's only like really a chance for one of them to be saved by Zelda. The other three would still meet the same fate. You know what I mean? So uh, I don't know. And then also, just to be clear, Calamity Ganon does defeat. Uh, each of these pilots individually. But the way that he does this is he, he he dispatches these things called blights, which are these malice manifestations of himself. They're kind of like extensions of him. Um, and they take over the divine beasts after they defeat the pilot inhabiting it. Um, so uh, that's just something to note in terms of how he executes his attack. So not only does he convert things like the guardians to be on his side using malice, he also creates these other malice amalgamations to individually fight off uh, various individuals within the hero camp. So it's it's very it's a very complicated, multi-layered process of attacking Hyrule. It just feels too formulated for it to just be some random plan a monster cooked up. Like it this this seems too well thought out for something that's meant to just be this monstrous entity. Like, it's a, it, this is a great evil that they're facing, and Calamity Ganon appears to be thinking things through. And that's consistent between him and Demise and Gan, uh, Ganondorf from Ocarina of Time. So the thing is that the final battle of Breath of the Wild, though, when Link returns to the castle, Calamity Ganon will first dispatch the Blight versions of himself if the Divine Beasts have not been freed. But um, the thing is, is that... Uh, it'll jump straight to, he's like, he'll emerge out of the cocoon right away if the divine beasts have been freed. So you'd skip the part where you'd have to face the blights in this like, uh, like relay, this like boss rush kind of thing. You would avoid that process if you free all the divine beasts. So the thing is that if all the divine beasts have been freed, the spirits, the souls of the pilots would still reside within these divine beasts and, uh, will command the divine beasts like they did when they were still alive and use them to attack uh, Calamity Ganon. Not seal him, but they would attack him to weaken him, firing these powerful beams at, uh, at the castle, um, drastically reducing Calamity Ganon's health. Uh, so it'll make things easier for, for Link to take him down. What this all means though, right, is that if things had worked out as they were meant to have worked out a hundred years prior, the thing is the divine beasts are not sealing anything away. They're just putting um uh they're just putting Calamity Ganon in a form of stasis so that way Zelda and Link can seal him away. Right? Um it, it's kind of similar to the sages, but not really. It's a bit more straightforward in the process of Ocarina of Time. Here, it seems like there's more opportunities for Calamity Ganon to wiggle his way out of a what would be a situation resulting in his death or banishment to whatever realms bad guys go to. But anyways, um, uh, the first phase is this like arachnid-like form known as Calamity Ganon, but then Ganon will shift into what I called Dark Beast Ganon before, right? Covered in purple flames and appearing like a large boar. We know that Zelda's uh, trapped within Ganon, um, that kind of thing, strike the targets, hit the eyes on his head when he's weak enough, boom, 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 and then he will be sealed away. Ganon will be consumed by light, but again, it is unclear how he will return as this Ganon has never had a humanoid form. You know, we've only ever seen Calamity Ganon in more beast-like forms. Uh, even that arachnid-like form is a very weird 
malice amalgamation. Dark Beast Ganon is at least a giant demonic pig. Like it's it's a lot more, it, it's a lot more visible. You know, you can tell. Uh, but yeah, this is all to say that the role of memory with the entity of demise Ganon and Calamity Ganon, who are technically all the same but just kind of differing forms of the same villainous entity. They all have the same will to defeat the hero and the princess, um, or the one who's uh, Hylia reincarnate. Like, these are all villainous entities that possess that will. Um, uh, but the kind of intelligence level really varies. I, I think Calamity Ganon is more calculating than he would seem. Because again, his, the timing of his attack was just too perfect. Like, it, I don't... And 10,000 years would be a perfect amount of time to, to you know, come up with a, a plan so that way he does do differently, uh, he does do things differently the second time around, you know? Plenty of time to think about that if he's going to come back anyway, you know? Okay, I know I spent a lot of time on that one point, so let me go to this next point. Zelda evades the villain only to later be trapped by him in every iteration. And by every iteration, I'm referring to the three games I'm talking about in question. Although I think there are multiple instances across all of the Legend of Zelda games where Zelda will find will find words will find herself trapped um, because of whatever evil entity is uh, affecting the realm. Uh, so in Skyward Sword, Zelda initially evades Girahim's attacks, um, and she's able to flee to safety. But when Girahim returns to the past era and Zelda releases herself from that crystal that she was using to, um, she was putting herself in stasis to keep Demise sealed away, Girahim uses that opportunity to stun everyone um, uh, and then steals her away and offers her soul to Demise in order to revive him and release the seal on him. While Link is able to defeat Girahim, it's too late though because soul, uh, Zelda's soul is gradually getting. Uh, absorbed by Demise, who returns to his original form. Um, now, in uh, Ocarina of Time, Zelda spies on Ganondorf initially, tries to prevent the bad, the bad outcome that she foresaw, but fails to. So then what she does instead is she disguises herself and passes off as a Sheikah for seven years. When she leaves herself vulnerable, he captures her in a crystal. It's, it's crystals, they're interesting, you know? And then in Breath of the Wild, Zelda's unable to use her powers for the better part of her life. Um, and she does manage to evade Calamity Ganon in a way because her and, and Link uh, flee from the castle. They don't go straight to him. So he doesn't necessarily get the opportunity to trap her, but she willingly traps herself within Ganon's body to put him in stasis for a hundred years, uh, which leads to him being in that cocoon. Um, and it, it, just, it just puts a stop to his rampage on Hyrule. More people would have lost their lives if Zelda didn't do this. That That is still worth noting. But yeah, that's another interesting point where we see these similarities across the three games. And then the last uh, similarity I have of note here is that Demise and Ganon all take over pre-existing castle locations. So in Skyward Sword, Demise appears in the sealed uh, appears in the sealed grounds, which is not far from what I would consider to be the actual center of the land or of the surface, and I think that would be cons uh, considered the seat of rulership for Hylia and her people. Um, yes, that technically is Skyloft, but um, there, there's a case to be made that uh, if Demise gets his way, that's the first place he's taking over. In Ocarina of Time. Uh, Ganondorf converts Hyrule Castle into his own castle, known as Ganon's Castle. And then in Breath of the Wild, this is the first place Calamity Ganon attacks. He converts Hyrule Castle into one covered by Malice under his control, and then decimates the uh, castle town by infecting the Guardians with Malice to just level the population. It's just absolutely decimate everyone. It's crazy when you think about it in the grand scheme of things. Oh my goodness, okay. It's time to talk about some differences across these three games. It's not going to be a very long list, but there are definitely still some things worth mentioning. So in Breath of the Wild, Link does not have an aid to guide him throughout his journey. He meets aids along the way, but no one is fixed. This is to say, so Link in Skyward Sword, Fee, who is the spirit that resides within the Master Sword, or what would become the Master Sword, is the one guiding him through his journey and frequently informs him of where to go and usually what highly expects of Link. Um, Fee is responsible for that. And then in Ocarina of Time, Link's companion is known as Navi, which is this little fairy 
who is dispatched by the great Deku Tree to guide Link in his journey. Navi is sent out to help out the hero, essentially. Now, of course, from a gameplay perspective, if you listen to the introduction on uh, Ocarina of Time, you can listen to a bit more about Navi's character there. So the gameplay, from a gameplay perspective, you can have whatever opinions you have about Fi or Navi, because I don't know that they're the most liked companions or, you know, assistant side character type things in the franchise, but they are what they are. They are still aids to Link. In Breath of the Wild, Link has no such companion. He is completely on his own throughout the entire process. The next up in Breath of the Wild, it's been said before, but Calamity Ganon has no human form. Addressing the Breath of the Wild sequel, which does imply that he has a skeletal form, so there he might we might actually see Ganon in a human form. Um, yeah, that possibility exists, but in the case of Breath of the Wild, we don't see any hints of that. We don't see it in the final battle against him. We only ever see him in this kind of calamitous form. We only ever see him in uh, that monstrous uh, form, and then later transforming into a beast. So, you know. Calamity Ganon isn't a human because Demise has humanoid traits. He's a demon lord, but at least like he's, I guess, semi-anthropomorphic in that way because he's like kind of scaled and things like that. Demise is scary, honestly. Um, and then, of course, Ganondorf, he is totally a human. So anyways, in Ocarina of Time, as we know by this point, it does not explicitly feature Hylia in any way. And... and the reason I just bring that up is it's just something to keep in mind. So the role of Hylia, is, it's, there's a lot of interpretation that's required when uh, kind of parsing the lore of Ocarina of Time in relation uh, to Hylia. In Breath of the Wild, Zelda does not want to be the Princess of Fate. And also in Breath of the Wild, Link is stoic because of his destiny, uh, not because he's just actually a stoic guy. Um, because as we know, when he's free of this knowledge and this burden of being the hero, he's a lot happier. And then this other thing um, that differs between uh, these three games is the villain's takeover. So how the villain succeeds or how they decide to exercise their strength. So in Skyward Sword, the imprisoned is resealed three times and remains trapped in the present timeline. This means things go well for the heroes of the present, although this technically doesn't count for a whole lot if Demise is awakened in the past. So going back to the past, Geary, he uses Zelda to free Demise from his prison, right? Demise uh, does not immediately take over the surface and instead fights Link in the process of draining Zelda of her life force. And I believe this is attributed to his sense that he needs to remove these two major obstacles before beginning his reign on the surface. But before he essentially makes Link's nightmare that was seen in the beginning of the game come true. Of course, now in the form of Demise and not in the form that Link dreamed of, which is of the imprisoned. Then in Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf schemes to take over using betrayal and taking advantage of Zelda and Link when they were children. Also keep in mind that Ganondorf did murder Zelda's father in order to usurp the throne and exercise his strength. So he didn't just simply take the Triforce of Power and then just be happy with that. Uh, he didn't. He was not civil about this. People lost their lives because of Ganondorf taking the Triforce of Power. It takes him seven years before he fully converts Hyrule into his domain, but is able to cause a good amount of terror during that time. Life is difficult in Hyrule um, when he is in charge. And unlike Demise, Ganondorf is in control when Link comes to fight him. The thing is, is that what Girahim did in Skyward Sword was quite last minute. It's only at the very last second that he was able to free Demise from his prison. So you don't spend a whole lot of time seeing Demise. Like you would have seen the imprisoned a whole lot more and you succeed beating the imprisoned. The stakes are obviously a lot higher in the battle against Demise, but he didn't begin in this game or at any point in time have any kind of uh, stronger influence than the heroes. Like the balance was certainly teetering just because there were ways, like there was things that were happening that were pointing to evil being able to rise up again and threaten uh, life for anyone, really. Like, there were signs of that, but it's not that Demise was able to fully exercise that. And he could not, in fact, do that without Girahim's help. If Girahim had not taken Zelda and forcibly made it so that uh, her soul would be drained and absorbed by Demise, if he didn't do that for her, Demise would not be able to escape his seal. But anyways, uh, in Ocarina of Time, yeah. Ganondorf knows what he's doing um, in that way and he is in control when Link has to take him down. In Breath of the Wild, 
sealed away but fated to return, Calamity Ganon's return is unnatural. Like it's it's a, things are different this time around. Um, and while he is uh, like while Calamity Ganon was unable to destroy Link and Zelda, and is ultimately put in a, in, a, in that form of stasis by the latter, he's still able to create terror using this uh, kind of day cycle. It's it's this uh, event known as the Blood Moon, which regenerates defeated monsters. So anything Link fights and kills um, during the day, I think after like a period of three in-game days, the Blood Moon will rise and uh, bring back to life whatever Link defeated. Um, so and his blights remain in control of the divine beasts. Uh, at the start of Link, you know, when Link wakes up from the Shrine of Resurrection and begins his journey, the Blights would, would be in control over the Divine Beasts and uh, things like that. So similar to um, Ganondorf and Ocarina of Time post time skip, like after seven years, Calamity Ganon is still technically in control after a hundred years. Okay. So that's a that's a lot of things to consider. I talked about commonalities and differences across across these three games as it pertains to the Beta Trio and Triforce and stuff like that. Okay, now I want to individually triangulate each character. So how does each version of Link and each version of Zelda and then these varying forms of evil known as Demise, Ganondorf, and Calamity Ganon, how do we triangulate these characters with their own versions of each other? So Skyward Sword Link does not begin as a hero, but is chosen to fulfill this role. And I think he represents the strongest version of the heroes, like the hero's spirit, the hero's will. He uh, was able to build up his strength kind of at a similar pace as Demise, you know? So it's not good that Demise eventually gets his way. He's able to break out of his seal and it's at the cost of Zelda's life force being drained away. But by the time Demise does that, Skyward Sword Link is strong enough to take him down. Like, he can do it. It would be a fight to the death, and Link would still have a chance of not surviving, but he is still very much capable of fighting Demise. Ocarina of Time Link has wisdom and courage through his journeys, um, but power came at a cost. He only actually ever receives the Triforce of Courage because Ganondorf took the Triforce of Power and Zelda had the Triforce of Wisdom. But Ocarina of Time Link was also just like Skyward Sword Link, well prepared to take on uh, Ganondorf when he does. He's able to defeat him now because he is the hero of destiny and he has the tools capable of wielding it. Like he's 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 met the conditions. He, he freed the sages. He's a superstar, you know? Breath of the Wild Link exhibits courage and power, but how he embodies wisdom is quite vague. So, you know, uh, these attributes of the Triforce and Link's relationship with them is quite muddled when we consider the events of Breath of the Wild. I'd say that Breath of the Wild Link is stronger probably than Ocarina of Time Link, but it is unknown whether Link can actually hear the Master Sword's voice, which is Fee. See, the thing is, is that Breath, uh, sorry, Ocarina of Time Link doesn't communicate with the Master Sword at all. We know that Skyward Sword Link obviously does because it's also a main mechanic in the game that Fee is your character for exposition even as well. But she's the spirit that resides within the sword, so of course she's gonna talk to um, the wielder of the sword, right? But yeah, that is pretty unclear with uh, with uh, Link in uh, Breath of the Wild. So he knows, he knows what his destiny is and he has the will of the heroes. It's just, it, like he, he, he's just a really strong guy then if you boil it down to that. Now, okay, so with Zelda, so Skyward Sword Zelda, she's not a princess. She's Hylia's mortal vessel. Um, I think she's the fully realized form of the mortal Hylia, though. Understanding her destiny and knowing what needs to be done makes sense. It's the origin of everything. That's what Skyward Sword is. So, of course, that's when Zelda's going to figure things out and be the most prepared to do what needs to be done. Uh, her greatest moment of danger is when her soul becomes slowly absorbed by um, the awakened demise. Like, that's when she's in the most amount of trouble, I think. Um, she is capable of putting herself in a state of sleep as a form of sealing. That's one method of sealing, I think. Ocarina of Time, Zelda is knowledgeable about the Triforce and innately possesses the wisdom capable of making her a sage, for example. 
um how she is chosen to be like the process of being chosen as the last sage is probably connected to her heritage as the goddess's mortal vessel if she is like a goddess reincarnate essentially and she is capable of also wielding like magic and things like that then it's like and, and of course you know she has wisdom and stuff then it's like uh, that that's a big enough case in my opinion for her to be a sage you know um uh but the thing is that um, much like Skyward Sword Zelda, her powers operate in tandem with the heroes, so she does have her limitations. Um, Link is the one who needs to strike Ganon with the Master Sword in the final battle, and then Zelda can seal him away. In Skyward Sword, Zelda needs to keep him sealed, right? And she needs to remain alive in order for Link to take Demise down. So there is that also that, that relationship between their powers. Now, Breath of the Wild, this is arguably the strongest version of Zelda that we've seen, um, but the awakening of her powers, it was extremely belated. So for as strong as she is, she was not able to use it at the critical moment, right? While Skyward Sword Zelda does not actively wield light magic like Breath of the Wild Zelda, I'd say Zelda's powers are probably on par with Breath of the Wild Zelda's. Um, I, I think Ocarina of Time Zelda is probably the weakest technically out of these three versions of Zelda. Um, but I'd say that because um, unlike Zelda of Ocarina of Time and unlike Zelda Breath of the Wild, Skyward Sword Zelda is also simultaneously Hylia. So if she is both a goddess and a mortal vessel, then it's like, I think that it, that power can, or that, that stature can be equated to what uh, Breath of the Wild Zelda's powers are. Because the thing is, is that Zelda is not, is typically not, does not use her magic for the purpose of offense. She's more about defense. But uh, the thing is, is that Breath of the Wild Zelda's light magic, like the, the using the powers of the goddess, um, it reflects both offensive tactics and defensive tactics because it could work like a shield, but then it also works for offensive purposes because it's like an attack, you know, a giant demonic pig cannot stand light, it's scary. So that kind of a thing. I mean, I'm not like concretely stating that Skyward Sword Zelda and Breath of the Wild Zelda have an equal amount of strength, but there's 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 an argument to be had that they, they might be able to. Now with Demise, you know, he begins as a powerful demon lord, awakens uh, creatures from within the earth, and then releasing them on the benign denizens of the surface, you know? Um, his armies and evil pose a gr like the greatest threat to Hylia's people, who would become Skyloftians. He's intelligent and ruthless, but holds himself to a standard and calculates the probability of, of his success. Um, he, he is aware of what's going on, right? So Demise, I think, is a very powerful entity in this way, already to begin with, without even considering the use of the Triforce. Um, as the imprisoned, though, he's a rather mindless beast, but still possesses the will to escape the imprisonment of the sealed ground, so he still wants to rule over everything and decimate populations, that's still his MO, but uh, it's not as clear for him to execute it when he is in the form of the imprisoned. Ganondorf, you know, in Ocarina of Time, he's just as calculating, but does not need any form of aid, like he doesn't need he doesn't need the spirit of a sword to have his way with stuff. He doesn't need Zelda's soul in order to enter the sacred realm. He doesn't need any of that. He's actually quite strong on his own. But he instead seeks out the Triforce rather than relying on his own capabilities in order to make his dream possible of taking over the land. Um, Ganondorf is the result of, uh, like, sorry, Ganon is the result of him exhausting the Triforce's power for his own personal gain. Um, and then we have, you know, Breath of the Wild, we have Calamity Ganon, who mostly appears as a non-corporeal boar-like entity, but still appears to possess intelligence, and I think he learns from his mistakes, again, because I, I think the time in between him being sealed 10,000 years prior, and then what happens in the events of Breath of the Wild, like 100 years before the events of Breath of the Wild, technically, and how things are different this time around, um, I feel like that can only be explained because he's actually aware of how he lost um you one you one could even argue in this situation that ganondorf knew how demise lost to a certain extent so demise and ganon are still technically two separate entities but they 
possess a lot of similarities in the way that they calculate and the way that they conceive of being evil and exercising power. There's a lot of similarities between them. Uh, that's why I've not used reincarnation as the as like the language to characterize demise Ganon, uh, Ganondorf and uh, Calamity Ganon. That is, that is why, folks. Um, because of you know Calamity Ganon's more contingent attack on Hyrule, you know it's it's an unforeseen circumstance. Um, that might contribute to the fact that he appears in the form as this arachnid-like creature known as Calamity Ganon. The fact that the blights exist and Dark Beast Ganon. Um, it's not entirely clear whether the people living in Hyrule 10,000 years ago only saw Dark Beast Ganon based on what the tapestry depicts. It doesn't depict an arachnid-like creature. It depicts um, like a, this kind of floating purple spirit that has the head of a boar. Like, you know, so it, it is unclear what the people of 10,000 years ago actually dealt with because it might not be the same Calamity Ganon. That, that's his title, that is his name, but it's not entirely clear that that's who he is alrighty so i got about two more uh kind of or two or three more uh topics to go through in the next section i'll be talking about some other tripartite uh tripartite examples um that can be seen in these uh three games and also discussing the topic uh the absence of triangulation so other contributory factors in these or entities characters in these three games where they are very much important to the heroes succeeding. You know, the triangulation of the Faded Trio, the role of the Triforce and everything. Yes, Link, Zelda, and the various forms of Ganon all reside at the center of that. And the Triforce is also pretty core to the, the role of this, you know? Um, but there are some things that exist in the periphery outside of this core triangulation. So the absence of triangulation is also something I'd like to address. So let me get into that now.